past couple months, we've done a couple 15% off sales, which is kind of our general, like, you know, we'll slap 15% off on any holiday or whatever it might be. It's worked pretty well uh, over the past couple years, but what we've noticed over the past couple months is it's just not getting people to convert. And it's because people that are in the funnel have seen this and it's not much of a discount for them. And so what we did was we increased it by 5%, literally just 5% and made it a 20% off sale site-wide. And we've seen the first few days, we saw about 156% increase in sales started to taper down now, but the average since launching that is about 100% increase in sales compared to the previous time period. So massive difference by changing the offer by 5% and just meeting customers a little bit more towards where they're at. Hey retailers, ever feel like your shopper experience feels just like everyone else's? Here's an idea. Put your shopper first with the only personalization platform that is purpose-built for retailers. Bluecore combines retail data and predictive intelligence to match online shoppers with the products they will buy next across channels like email, site, paid media, social, and SMS. Automate and scale your personalized content offers and recommendations for each shopper in a one-on-one -on -one individualized experience. Visit bluecore.com to see why brands like Noble, Express, and Bliss have gone shopper first to drive repeat purchases and increase customer lifetime value. Hello and welcome to All Killer No Filler. I'm Eric. It is Wednesday of a short week here with Easter coming up and we are with Nate and Taylor, two senior members of the Pilot House media buying team. Nate, can you just kick us off with the importance of offer right now in the world? Yeah, totally. Um, so I'll, I'll give a couple examples too, but I think kind of the high level idea here is that during a, a time period like right now where overall buying intent is just kind of diminished, um, I'm sure a lot of people over the past couple months have noticed that just, you know, their Shopify stores are decreasing a little bit year over year. There might be some impacts there. Um, so what we've been doing with clients is really trying to get them to focus on the offer side of things. Um, once you have creative copy, all that stuff dialed, um, you really need to be focusing on offer right now. People are kind of strapped for money. You know, gas prices are all the time high. Interest rates are getting hiked. Um, so all these these kind of macro effects are making people hold on to their wallets. Um, and we have to kind of meet them in the middle right now. Um, so we've been really pushing off around our clients, um, testing things that are just a little bit better than what consumers might be seeing over the past few months. Um, so increasing that sale by 5%, um, you know, offering a free gift, free shipping, all that kind of stuff has really been making a massive difference right now. Um, Taylor, I don't know if you want to run through some, some examples, but yeah, we tried a, a stacked offer with one brand I work with and we, you know, looking, it, it's about a two week test period now uh, since that change was made and we've seen 138% growth in revenue since launching that. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was just pivoting how we were messaging one of the offers and then creating a, a combined offer effect there and, and that that helped uh kick it off, kick it off. About That's what you mean by stacked, just a yeah. higher value offer than you'd normally make stacked with maybe another offer. Exactly. And the, and the whole idea there is, as Nate mentioned, um, we're really just looking to meet consumers where they're at. You know, a lot of, we were seeing signals of, you know, positive social proof on comments, uh, seeing great click costs and things like that. And seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of ads that we'd seen historically perform really well, not convert at the rate we were we were looking for. And so for us, we were able to kind of deduct our way through and, and see, okay, there's probably an effect here where people really love what this is, but there's a bit of a limitation there. Where is that barrier entry? And, and 
the barrier to entry uh, looked like it was around it was around price. So we, we made that adjustment and we've seen a, a big growth element there. But Nate made a great point about the free gift idea or getting creative with this as well. I think I think just tapping into that extra layer of creativity is really valuable because the other flip side of this too is it's easy for us as marketers to say, hey, like go run this amazing offer. But you know the brand a brand has to think about their contribution margin, about all these other elements at play, and um, being creative can help you basically gain from that perceived value impact, but without potentially having to, to, you know, take a bigger hit on, on cost or anything like that. If you're looking at running a discount. And I think what's key too, is it doesn't need to be complicated and it doesn't need to be overboard. Like Taylor said, like you have to obviously be keeping your margin top of mind. And so like, for example, we, with another brand, aside from the one Taylor's talking about, we, we've been over the past couple months, we've done a couple 15% off sales, which is kind of our, our general, like, you know, we'll slap 15% off on any, um, holiday or whatever it might be. Um, and it, it's worked pretty well uh, over the past couple of years. But what we've noticed over the past couple of months is it's just not it's just not getting people to convert. And it's because people that are in the funnel have seen this and it's like it's not much of a discount for them. And so what we did was we increased it by 5%, literally just 5% and made it a 20% off sale site wide. And we've we've seen the first few days we saw about 156% increase in sales. Um, it's t- started to taper down now, um, but the average since launching that is about a hundred percent increase in sales uh, comparing to the previous time period. Uh, so a massive difference by changing the offer by five percent and just meeting customers a little bit more, you know, towards where they're at, like Taylor said. And this involves like a, you know, being mentioned throughout the whole funnel. I'm trying to think of like, is there a difference between when someone says they're having a sale versus making an offer? I guess a sale could be an offer, but a sale is just like one thing you could do in sort of a comprehensive offer, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you just want to make sure that this offer is then mentioned throughout your whole, you know, your, your whole funnel, essentially, that you're making. And, yeah. and so just to be specific, we're talking buy one, get one. We're talking buy one, get 50% off, buy two, get one, certain percentage off the first order plus a free gift. There's there's all sorts of different ways that you can spin this. Totally, yeah. And and again, it depends on your guys' margin and, and like what your end goal is. Obviously, taking a just a big discount off products is just going to hurt your margin a lot more. But if maybe you can give a free gift and save a little bit of margin, but you still see that intent go up, um, then that can be a huge win. But yeah, it, talking about kind of seeing it through the whole funnel, we just by that we mean like have it from the ad level all the way to, through to the landing page people get to all the way through to checkout. Have it very clear that people are getting this offer. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. If it's if it's not, there can be a disconnect, and you're going to see a higher bounce rate because people kind of lose sight of of what they're actually getting. It's just such a strong way to frame it versus, I, I don't know where this uh, this quote was that, that you guys pulled before this podcast, but this idea of people saying, okay, we, I've got a product, that's good enough. My product is out there, but really it's so important, especially as we say now in times of unprecedented inflation and all these other things, that you really put your best foot forward and really put that offer out there to, to buff up your product offering. So everyone listening out there, go out and craft your offer. And what better time to craft your offer than for Mother's Day? You know, a gifting holiday. What are you guys doing for Mother's Day? Um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of doing a combination of some of the offers that we've talked about. So based on the success that we've seen with just this increase in our generic offer, we're, we're doing partial that, uh, some products are going to be that, and then we're going to be doing stuff like free gift with purchase. And then towards the end of the mother's day purchasing period, we'll be pushing free two day shipping to kind of drive that urgency. I think that's a really good, good play is to have kind of a mixture of offers. You don't want to make it too complicated. That's key as well. Simple offers, but, you know, having a couple different options for people, you know, based on the tier of product they're buying or based on, 
the holiday, if it's for Mother's Day, and maybe focus it around women's collections or you know women's focused products, stuff like that. And then towards the end of the sale, really focusing on that that urgency and pushing stuff like free two day shipping, last chance, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, right now is when, and over the past month even has been when you want to be testing offers for Mother's Day rather than go in blind. Um, it's really good to kind of do isolated tests, figure out what offers are working best uh, for your audiences right now, and then dial those in and push hard for Mother's Day. Yeah, and a huge part kind of as the second layer to that that is we're doing a lot of angle testing as well, creating kind of different buckets or like reasoning for making that purchase, like whether you know it's specifically for gifting or whether you're more of a, an impulse buyer who wants this product and now you see a great chance because it's on sale, uh, like whatever, you know, looking at the different ways and lots of different sub angles within that, trying meme content, trying UGC, trying product graphics, trying uh, like whitelisted from influencer type ads as well, like doing a lot of doing a lot of different coverage, doing a lot of testing and then ultimately creating that runway like like Nate mentioned, uh, where once you have some of that, those offer insights, you, you can then fine tune that message and just scale it accordingly from there. One thing that was not as cool was the giant CPM spike that uh, we saw in the early part of April. Can you guys talk a little bit about what you saw and, and what you've seen uh, as the fallout since? Yeah, it seemed, it seemed to kind of be across all brands, at least somewhat. Um, some companies definitely saw more of an impact than others, but I think it was around April 3rd, 4th, Coming out of that weekend, we saw one of our brands had CPM spike like over like 150%. Like it was insane. And we had to we had to pause up. We have seen them start to trickle back down and now they kind of seem to be normalizing. Um, but there hasn't really been much of a, a comment from Facebook quite yet on that. Um, I know there was some issues going on, but they haven't really pinpointed. One weird thing though that we noticed with the CPM spike, which hasn't really been the case in the past, was I think for a couple of our brands, we were launching a lot of campaigns that day um, because, you know, when when costs rise, we test and we, we get new stuff live to see if we can combat. And one of the things we noticed was that any campaigns that we launched on that day or, you know, that period of days where CPMs really went crazy for a few days continued to have high CPMs. And so over the course of like a week or two weeks, we've we've had to go through and, and cut everything out that, that was launched during those periods because CPMs just never came down on them. Whereas other campaigns, even though they ran on those days, didn't see the same spike because they weren't built on those days. I don't know if that's some crazy coincidence or some bug that, that uh, any campaign built that day saw, but it was a pretty weird one for us. I'd love to know if you're listening out there, you had campaigns that launched on the third and the fourth. Are they running just like, you know, well, or have they been marked with the stink of high CPM? Uh, Taylor, you, you saw the same thing during that period? Yeah, I saw the same thing as well. It, it was it was definitely interesting. I mean, we're seeing things start to settle back in now, but it's it's definitely challenging. Nate shared a lot of the strategies because the biggest thing is when that happens, it if it happens across the board to the majority of your campaigns or to, or to multiple things at once, it can totally affect the momentum that you're seeing and trying to build that back up can take some time. But through through that, I know the team was working on some different strategies and um, like rebuilding campaigns with top ads and different things like that. And we've ultimately seen some stuff start to settle back in, which is which is good to see for sure. The one thing to note is like change is good during those times. What we, when we start to see CPMs and CPCs spike and stuff, what we tend to do is is a lot. Um, so things like like Taylor said, rebuilding campaigns because sometimes they just get kind of stuck. Um, but other things like like starting to dupe some of your top performing campaigns and run them with manual bidding techniques like cost cap, bid cap. We saw some of that stuff reduce CPMs a little bit. 
or different optimization windows. So like seven day click rather than seven click one view, stuff like that. Just like just changing it up when CPMs do spike to see if you can kind of shake your campaigns out of that, uh, that rut. We all know how tough the past 12 months have been with supply chain and marketing costs rapidly rising. Ecom World is your secret weapon to help your brand get back on track and make this year your best year ever. Ecom World is hosting an online event that will arm you with the strategies you need to grow your D2C brand profitably. Meet experts like Kellen Fitzgerald, head of Ecom at Glow Recipe, and Davey Fogarty, CEO of The Udi, as well as 80 other Ecom experts who are paving the way in D2C. Get their step-by-step strategies to optimize the growth of your Ecom brand right now. D2C listeners receive 30% off the ticket price, so head over to ecomworldconference.com slash DTC to get your ticket now. That's ecomworldconference.com slash DTC. We talk a lot about Facebook on this, uh, on Meta, sorry, on this podcast. I got to get that through my my head. And one of the things uh, that we see Meta doing is, you know, always they're the incumbent, right? Like we talk a lot about TikTok eating their share, but they're still definitely the incumbent and they're still constantly... Um, researching to figure out, you know, new ways that they can get an edge with their platform. And one thing that we've seen recently is them uh, sort of giving up a lot of test ad budget to big clients uh, in order to test specific parts of their campaign. Can you talk a little bit about what we're seeing there and then what we think might be their reasoning for it, Nate? Yeah, the biggest thing is we've seen a lot of testing budgets and like ad credits being thrown at brands for Um, Facebook shops, Instagram shops, and just overall like DPAs, catalog campaigns. And mostly over the past like few months here, they've been really, really pushing people to test those campaigns with like 100% funded tests. And to me, it looks like they're trying to solve for two things. One, I mean, one overall thing is they want to keep people on platform. Uh, Obviously, there's the data loss piece and they obviously want to build an e-commerce platform for people to shop on. And so they're really trying to get advertisers to spend big budgets on shop campaigns and getting people to their, their Instagram and Facebook shops, using their catalogs, stuff like that, to, to see if they can get people converting at a good rate on platform because then they get to keep the data. Um, they don't have to deal with some of the iOS issues. Uh, and overall, if they can have you know more people shopping on their platform, then, then they're going to be doing better. Um, so I think that's probably the reason is they're really trying to dial these new these new features that they've been you know, rolling out over the past year or two years. Um, and right now, because of the effects of iOS, they're kind of, I feel like they're kind of getting into a crunch where they really want to push it and uh, they're trying to leverage existing um, advertisers to do that. It's interesting. How do, what are the results like when we're running on Facebook ad credits? Is it ever just like, oh, wow, this works 10 times better than before? Or does it work way worse somewhere in the middle? How does that look? I mean, it's always free revenue, so it's, it, you can't complain. It's it's great, but the we don't tend to see great results from the test campaigns that we run because they're new features. Like you can't really expect that you know a feature that Facebook came out with two months ago is going to crush right now. Um, that's not usually the case, just because it, it needs to get dialed in. They need to figure out who you know is converting through these these new features. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. So we don't tend to see amazing performance. It's usually not terrible, at least when it's conversion objective campaigns. But overall, they, they definitely tend to perform worse than kind of our, our evergreen campaigns. It's not just uh, purchases, it's just it's customers that have now entered the ecosystem as well. So there's exactly. a, a real opportunity, especially maybe on these new features, uh, you know, maybe to even to have higher LTV uh, with people building things out on their shop. Totally. 
Let's okay. The last part here, we're a little bit over time, but I wanted to just, I've got two of our, our head buyers on the platform here. And I just wanted to ask as media buyers, what on the platform would you change if you had a magic wand on the, on the meta ads platform? Would you change if you had a magic wand? Taylor, you want to kick us off? I can kick it off. Um, so modeled reporting, um, a huge thing is we've noticed it, it just, there's still a, a major discrepancy from what we can see in our own benchmarking and, and other things that we do. So I, I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the platform kind of catch up on the reporting side and introduce some more opportunity to leverage some of the, the cool features like automated rules and et cetera, et cetera, based on, based on sound data there. So you'd wave your magic wand, have them fix attribution. I think every advertiser probably on the platform agrees with that. What else is bugging you these days, Nate? I think there's a lot of just like little issues with Facebook that get overlooked in terms of like the functionality side for buyers, like little things like, like in, in custom reports. So right now, since the attribution switch, you used to be able to go into Facebook's dashboard and go into settings and you could just flip the attribution. So you're looking at seven day click, one day view. Obviously you used to be able to look at 28 day and stuff like that. And you could switch between click and view and seven and one day and stuff like that right there in the dashboard and see it all. Now that like the totals oftentimes don't show up if you're running multiple um, attribution windows across multiple campaigns, the totals at the bottom won't even show up at all. And so the only way to see the totals in your ad account a lot of times or to switch between different attribution windows is to build a custom report. And even in the custom report setting, you can't just do that. You need to have at least two ad accounts in a custom report so that you can standardize attribution across the ad accounts. And so it's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense that you have to do that. You should be able to go into reports and just switch it. Now you need to add another ad account that's probably not even the same client and like build a custom report that you can standardize. Uh, so that, that's a super annoying one that I, I'm confused why they haven't just solved that that quite yet, but. I remember that was a hack that we we sort of busted out very early on after the change. And we we're like, hey, we found this like very quick workaround that we expected to like not be, uh, Still, <laughs> you know, a major factor going forward. And, and six months later, here we are. Yeah. They got a lot on their plate, I guess, uh, over there at Facebook. Us advertisers, maybe not their top concern when they're uh, building what they're building. Uh, anything else that grinds your gears, Taylor? What grinds your gears about the Facebook platform? Continuing on reporting, uh, the fact that creative reporting, like it's, it, there is a creative report you can access from like the left-hand menu. Um, it at one point was super cool. Like it would aggregate data on, you know, a specific creative like asset, but it's, it's definitely, it's kind of gone through ups and downs, like periods of being broken, periods of not being broken. Um, I'd love to see that be a fully functional tool. Cause it's, it's just super cool to be able to filter on, you know, how is this creative doing in every single audience subset, not just, you know, looking at it from the, the lens of a specific campaign or having to, having to look at all of them and then look at that, look at that total there as well. Um, with, you know, maybe varying copy and trying to like adjust your naming conventions to be super detailed and long-winded now. Um, so it's, I, I think there's, there's some room for, for that for sure. Very cool. What else there's, it's funny. I, I often try to get, uh, images for, when I can't find, find one of my Instagram images on my phone, I'll just go to Instagram and be like, Oh, I just want to download that image, but they don't let you download it. And I think the same is true of Facebook ads. Yeah. That's, that's been a problem for a while that, yeah, if you like, you know, you upload a bunch of creatives, you're running them in campaigns, you delete them off your laptop. You want to make room you can't go and download them from Facebook properly. And it's super annoying. Um, simple, simple little tool, you know, stuff like that. 
And then finally, what was the last one we mentioned here that we can't test reels on their own? This is something, you know, we come from right now uh, on the D2C side of things where most of our budget is actually on TikTok and that TikTok platform is just slaying. We would love an easy way just to go over and isolate and test reels specifically, but you still can't do that. Yeah, there, there have been limitations around like having to include the feed placement, which to me is really interesting as, you know, knowing that Facebook's potential biggest competition with TikTok and and you know potentially trying to be competitive with them is is reels so uh, that that that's likely i'm guessing a short short term thing but it's definitely like you know there, there's already demand to start start at least exploring that and seeing what we can do to optimize there and, and lean into that more specifically like we've done with the stories placement in the past the big problem there is just that because you have to run feed and reels facebook automatically just optimizes most of your budget towards feed because it is currently their best performing um placement and so it, you kind of just lose a lot of your your test so hope you're listening facebook i know you are uh if you have any questions if you guys if you're out there listening and you have any uh anything that grinds your gears about facebook ads just uh, send me a note at eric at direct to consumer.co and uh, i'll make sure that it gets right through to, to our, our facebook pipeline i'm sure they're working hard on all this stuff Thanks for coming on today, guys. If you're listening, also make sure that you have your offers ready, whether it's for Mother's Day or the offers that you're testing before then. And yeah, make, take a look at any campaigns that were running uh, that were created on that April 3rd to 4th period and see if their their CPMs are high. Otherwise, catch you guys next week. And uh, we've got we've got some big stuff coming up. I, I we, we don't normally do uh, announcements on this platform, but we've got an event coming up here on the West Coast. We're about to drop some information in an upcoming newsletter about our very first live event that we're doing in Vancouver. We'll tease it here on the podcast. Uh, so I hope to meet people in person and uh, hopefully you, you and uh, Taylor can, can come, Nate, because you guys are always fun to party with. Amazing. For sure. Yeah, stoked for that. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.